Hola, I'm Elias Torres, co-founder and CTO of Drift. You're listening to the American Dream Podcast. On this show, we talk to leaders who have achieved their own version of the American Dream. But we also focus on the work that needs to be done to create a more consistent and diverse face of corporate America. That's why I'm setting aside time to talk to leaders of nonprofit organizations, the people leading the charge to build a brighter future for the next generation. Bienvenidos todos. Today, I have Vanessa Calderon Rosado on the show. Vanessa is the CEO at Inquilinos Boricuas en Acción, a Boston-based nonprofit community um, development corporation, right, whose mission is to empower individuals through high-quality affordable housing, education, and an arts program. Vanessa has been part of the IBA for 18 years, and during that time, she's also served as an advisor to the Boston Police Department, the Boston Public Health Commission, was the first Latina to serve on the State Board of Elementary and Secondary Education in Massachusetts, served on Boston's Housing Task Force, and founded the first dual-language Innovation High School in Massachusetts. Needless to say, you are accomplished, you're a supporter of the community, supporter of the Latino community, and so we're going to uh, it's a pleasure of mine to be to be here talking talking with you on on the show. Where my goal is to is to show uh, role models that inspire me and that could inspire many others uh, for what they could become and what they could pursue in their lives. Right uh, to have a purpose, to have a goal, and how to accomplish great things as a Latino, as an underrepresented person, minority in this country. So thank you for being on the show today. Hello, Vanessa. Hola, Elias. I am so excited uh, to be here with you today uh, and also very thankful and grateful for the invitation to join your podcast, which I had looked at a few of the shows already that you already have, you have done already, and they are really inspiring and interesting to the different takes and the different perspectives. So I'm just thrilled to be here and share my perspective with you and your audience. Yeah, I mean it's it's um it's such an important thing. I feel like um, Latinos we do not have the breadth and 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 and, and the depth of the network that um, the people that were born here, people that are white that grew up in in large networks. Latinos we're immigrants. We come. We don't know anybody. We do not know how the system works. We we're very community driven, but do not understand how to apply the network and. And, I, and since, ever since I, I met you, I've been being able to learn from your network and the work that you've done over your legacy over so many years of work. And I think that I want to encourage other people to get to know you and hear more about what you're doing in Boston, right? So um, let me see. We can talk a little bit about IBA a little bit, uh, but I, I really want to dig in, in into your story as a person and what you've accomplished because I, I think that so many people look up to you and I want to learn more about that and, and, and tell others about why they look up to you and what, what you do on a daily basis here in Boston. Sure. So let me start at the beginning uh, briefly to make it short, but I was born and raised in Puerto Rico in San Juan. Uh, I come from a very traditional middle-class family, Puerto Rican family, uh, with, you know, small nuclear family, but a large extended families of grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, neighbors, and 
relatives that I called Diao Dio, but that were not really related by blood. It's that extended network of people that you have around you to your point of having a network of people that will look after you, that will support you, that will knock on doors, that will connect you, etc. So I was born with that privilege of being in a, in a family that was tight-knit, that was middle-class, that provided me with the opportunities of, of a good education and with support to really reach for my full potential. However, very early on, because my family, even though I was born in a middle-class family, that was not the beginning of my family. Both of my parents were first ones in their families to go to college. Uh, my father with an associate degree in business and my mom with a degree in nursing. And uh, they came from very humble beginnings. So from a very early stage in my life, I was exposed to issues of poverty, inequality, race and racism, urban versus, you know, uh, suburban or non-urban uh, issues. So from that very beginning, that helped me um broaden my perspective about the issues, including when my one of my uncles had to serve in the Vietnam War, and I saw the impact of that in my family. And at that point, I was too little to understand, but I always felt, why war? Why are we fighting? Who are we fighting for? Who is representing us, especially us as Puerto Ricans, who are citizens by birth, but if we live in the island, we don't have the right to vote for the president or have uh, full representation in Congress and government. So all those issues from early on um, spiked my interest in issues around justice, also uh, justice and equality, and also my family had a very strong value uh, and, and uh, a number of family values, right? But one of the values that I cherished the most that was, you know, transferred to me by my parents, especially my mom, was the value of giving back and paying it forward. And that to me has always been an important thing to do, you know, giving back from all the blessings that I have received and also paying forward those same blessings to the next person. So all those things great, you know, have been uh, kind of my North Star and as part of the work that I do. Uh, so I came to Massachusetts from Puerto Rico in 1992 to pursue a graduate degree, a PhD in public policy, because also I realized that many of these issues of inequality are based on policies, policies that someone made without the persons impacted at the table. And those policies many times have adverse impact on low-income communities, on Latinos, particularly in this country, on the Black community in this country as well. So the disenfranchised communities most likely are adversely impacted by those policies. So I came in 1992 to do my PhD in public policy. Um, at the time, I was in a kind of an academic track doing uh, policy research and teaching class here there as an adjunct professor. And the opportunity to join EVA came about. I had known EVA from the beginning when I moved here to Massachusetts because hence the name Inquilinos Boricuas en Acción. 
So as I would eat while coming to Boston, not knowing anyone and with the very rusty English, um, people said, oh, you should know about Eva. And so I learned about Eva. I came to some events. Eventually, I did some small consulting projects for Eva. And the opportunity appeared, right, uh, of joining the organization um, first as director of operations and that turned into becoming the CEO. And at the time, I felt, well, you know, what do I want to do when I grow up? Type of crisis, right? Do I want to continue with my academic career or track, or do I want to go back to Canadian work, which I had done in Puerto Rico? But I really felt in love with the mission of the organization and the work that Eva had done since 1968 when it was founded up to that time. And I also saw the possibility of really growing that impact and really make it, make it deeper, but also uh, bringing other people to push beyond the walls of our organization and our community of Javitura, where we own most of the housing units that we own. And that's how I said, yeah, I'm going to do this. You know, maybe I do it for two, three years and I go back to academia. But honestly, Elias, I haven't looked back. I think it was the right decision. It has allowed me not only to do great work with a great team of people, not one person can do all of it, right? But really uh, attract great talent to do this fantastic mission work, mission-driven work at EVA but also has allowed me and allowed the organization to push for those policy issues, to push for having a bigger voice, to amplify our voices, to really bring the issues of the community to light and into the forefront to address the disparities and really to push for equal treatment and equality. So that's uh, that's my story and how yeah. I came to Eva and how I fell in love with the work. And I'll tell you more about it, but that's yeah. that's how I came about. I, I It's like, you know, I'm just, I just think that, you know, one of the most important things that I'm trying to do is just raise awareness. I, you're raising my own awareness, right? Because, um, you know, I, I think that, People grow up, right, and, and we live in, in our own small bubbles, right? And we need to get outside of our bubbles and learn about what others are doing, right? In in, in a way, my bubble was really, um, you know, I kind of fell, not fell, but it, it's a long story, but I, I, I was, from an early stage of my life, I was in the tech, um, in, in, okay. in, 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 on the tech journey. Yeah. And um, and I was kind of like consumed, you know, I, I was, you know, my mind early on was, you know, I had a growing family and I had to work and, and all I would do is just work, 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 family, 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 mm-hmm. like, and I would not know anything else that was going outside. And so all I was, um, all, I, all I thought about the whole time, it's like, you know, how can I be able to afford a house? So, you know, all yeah. this basic stuff. Yeah. But I was kind of on an island, you know, and, and I think um, by by learning what you do is just I want to raise aware, bring awareness to that of like, it's what all of Boston has a, a Latino community, has a black community. And, and, and it, like you said, it just resonates with me. They are affected by policies 
And they're not usually at the table when those policy decisions are being made. And, and what you've done is you dedicated your life, right? A lot of people are looking for purpose, are looking to, should I go focus on just getting a job and get paid a lot? Or should I do something that has a purpose? And you dedicate your life to represent community, right? To work for them. Mm-hmm. And people don't, don't sometimes realize what it is. Tell me more about that. Like, what is it mm-hmm. like on, on a daily basis? Um, what are the things that you do? You're on the boards, you're on the communities and the committees and all this other stuff. Tell us a little bit about what it's like to represent our community yeah. uh, as a mission-based journey, um, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such an important question, uh, Elias. Uh, it's it's definitely, and you said it very nicely, it's purpose, life purpose, and also uh, driven being driven by mission, right? And again, as I said earlier, I am driven by, you know, the mission purpose goal of really creating equal opportunities for our community. And it bothers me when I see injustices and when I see disparities, and I know that there's something better that can be done. So, so for me, it's been that. So I, I have felt from the beginning, even before coming to Liva through the research that I was doing on health policy in particular, and I was concentrated on cancer disparities and how we can uh, open opportunities, what kind of policies, what kind of programs, initiatives, funding, resources we can uh, devote and allocate to break down those disparities. So I use a lot of research often to to frame my conversation so people understand that it's just not a paternalistic approach that, oh, we have to help the needy, oh, we have to help the poor Latino community. There's so much talent in the Latino community that, you know, I want people to understand that. You're, you're a great example of that, right, of the talent and the potential and opportunities there. So I want to first use the research so people understand why the disparities exist, how can we do it, and then help advocate for solutions, right? Um, and some of those solutions are already, you know, evidenced in research. Some of those solutions are coming from the community themselves for our own lived experiences and the lived experiences of the community I represent. So when I sit at these tables, I always you know, listen to the issues and then I say, okay, now let, let's, let's look at this different perspective. Because sometimes what happens is that people, even with the best intentions, they just see the word. And that's why we always talk about in the workplace, for example, how important diversity is in the, in the technology, in the innovation fields. Diversity is so important because you want people to look at the problem from different angles so you can come with the right solution to the problem. And oftentimes we don't do that with policy. Oftentimes we don't do that with public education. Oftentimes we don't do that with affordable housing or, you know, health, uh, uh, care. And so that is what my job, I feel it is, right? When I sit in these boards and in these commissions and in these tables is to bring that perspective. And use that also as a wedge to open the doors for others to come. And bring your perspective, not just me, because sometimes, you know, my, I think my opinion is important, 
but it's not the only opinion. And also, oftentimes, I want people to hear it exactly and directly from the voices and the the, the, of the community, right? So the community also has an opportunity to walk in with me into those doors that I'm able to wedge open so they can provide that perspective. And I think that that's, that's, you know, what I do really bring in that perspective and the numbers, you know, for example, in Massachusetts, the growth in population in Massachusetts is due to the Latino, the Latino community growth. Uh, the population growth in our communities. So really helping people understand that to the extent that we don't work on solutions that address the needs of our community, our economy and our society will lag behind because our numbers are there, have grown, and will continue growing. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of people in tech, we talk about increasing diversity, right? And sometimes people ask me, what is your, your framework? for diversity and inclusion. And I said, uh, I was doing a podcast with with, with uh, my CPO, chief people officer, she's a woman. And I said, do you have a framework you know, to be a woman? Do you have a framework for being a woman? She said, no, you're still a woman. And so when that, when this, this, this guest, this host asked me, what's your framework for DNI? I go, I don't know. I'm just like Latino. I'm just fighting for what I just feel is obvious, how I want to be treated. If I'm not included, if I'm not, you know, paid the same, if I'm like afforded the same opportunities, right? Um, right. It's, it's injustice, it's simple, right? It's like right. something as basic as if you're doing the same job and you have the same title and the same experience, and you should get paid the same, right? Regardless right. of Absolutely. your gender. And so those are things there, but what people don't realize is that in order for us to be able to benefit from diversity in the workplace in tech, you're helping Massachusetts create policies that help the people be able to have access to basic needs, no? And to be able to have access to housing, have be able to access to food, education. What are the, give me examples of, 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 of policies that you've been closely involved with, because you, you're involved with, with the state, with, with, the, with the city and with the state, right? Yeah, I have, I, I'm involved with the city. I've been involved with the state and the federal government as well. Uh, because I, because I, I sat for three years in the committee advisory council for the board of governors of the Federal Reserve Bank. Um, and then for five years at the state, uh, Department of Elementary and Secondary Education Board that uh, both those, both of those terms already expire. So I'm no longer in those boards, but I really made sure that my tenure there was meaningful. And I'm going to give you one example of the, you know, we, we can go on multiple examples, but I know we have limited time, but I'm going to give you an example on the State Board of Elementary and Secondary Education. When I was at that board, um, I, I joined different committees. And one of the committees that I joined was the Charter Schools uh, Board. Um, Charter schools have created a lot of controversy over the years for a number of reasons that we don't need to get into, but I believe that they're not the solution, but a tool in the toolbox of solutions for public education issues. So I was very interested in seeing they, they traditionally have great outcomes for students, at least in Massachusetts and across the nation, but certainly in Massachusetts, they were showing great outcomes with students. However, the majority of the students that they were serving were not black or Latino students. So 
Uh, so I sat on that committee on purpose because I said, okay, let's look at the accountability measures that we're putting for the public schools in general. How can we use those same accountability measures for the charter schools? So we make sure that when they do enrollment, when they create their boards, when they create their budgets, when they do suspension um, policies, you know, they keep in mind the students that are actually we're trying to close the gap uh, for, right? Black and Latino students. So the time that I spent in that committee within the board was very interesting because at the beginning, there was a lot of tension between the work of the committee and the field of charter school educators and association. But over time, you know, we, we said like, listen, you do a great job. So now let's make sure that Black and Latino kids are in your schools and families are in your schools so you can do a great job with them. So it's that kind of work that I think is important. And that's just an example of how we then change and how the accountability measures that were uh, imposed on the regular public schools were also imposed on the charter schools. And the charter schools were held accountable to the committee, especially the Black and Latino committee. There's still a lot of work to do in that area, but there have been tremendous strides that we've done. Uh, since. So that's just one example. You know, I like to interview people of all kinds because I think people fascinate me in, in that everybody has an amazing story, right? And, and it's, Indeed. you know, uh, if there's anything I would like, if, if there's if, if, if there's only one thing I could do, I just want to just be with people and hear the story and get to know them. That would be my, my most basic need, you know. Uh, but, you know, but and, and no matter what they've done and what they've accomplished, but you are an amazing, amazing woman, right? And you like Thank you. what what you do here as a Latina, right? It's like you're navigating a very difficult, very complicated, very political world, right? And and you have earned the, the respect and you gain authority and you're representing your people, right? And and this is something I wanna highlight to people in tech, but it's not just about maybe go build a company or get make lots of money or be a vice president. But people can choose a path like this because we need more people. The community doesn't run itself. This, the community is not just right. going to be a website. We need people in, on the ground with, with the people, understanding, getting to know them, helping them, and understand that the, they need to be included in every facet of, of our lives, of our country, of our cities, of our government. Right? I agree. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's vital. So I was going to ask you, um, speaking of that, I think I've seen your name, you know, like, I don't know many people in Boston, but there's this, there's this famous list in Boston. It's like top 100 most powerful, influential people in Massachusetts. Right. And like, I go through the list and like, um, I used to know zero and then now I know like three people. You're one of them. Right. Yeah. Tell us about that. What what does that mean? How, yeah. does, how does it feel? Like I think I don't I don't you don't strike me as a bragging type of person, but it's an important recognition for you to be there. Mm-hmm. Like that the Massachusetts values you, right? Yeah. Uh, for the work that you do. Tell me more about that. What what does it really entail and, and how you're using that to keep growing your, your influence? Absolutely. So first it's a great honor and a humbling one because you know, you, you don't you don't get nominated. There are a number of awards in which you get nominated and either you self-nominate yourself or you ask someone to nominate you and hopefully you get it. In this case, uh, this list is done 
kind of behind the scenes and there's a mystery that no one really knows much about it. Um, so there are rumors of who gets to decide, but there's, there's a mystery. There's no real transparency on how the list comes up. But clearly the 100 people on that list are all very influential and all very worthy of the recognition. So when you get the email that you're going to be, that the issue is coming up in two weeks and you're in it and you're like, Oh my God, that's unbelievable. And so it's not only an honor, but it's really a source of great pride, not only for me, but for my family, the community that I represent, my friends, my mentors, my sponsors, my, you know, everyone that has invested in me and in my growth professionally and personally. Uh, so it's a great, great moment for celebration. I, you know, I am not very hung into, you know, I want I have to be on this list. I have to get this award. I definitely receive them with open arms and embrace them because it's a recognition of the hard work. It's also a recognition of, you know, that we're making progress on that hard work. Um, but I use this as an opportunity to really continue to uh, elevate the profile of the issues that I care for. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, as on this list, I'm in this list, so I've talked to other people on the on, on the list, or when I'm recognized for it, I say like, yeah, that's nice, and this is what we need to do, and this is what I do, this is what I advocate for in terms of housing and education, and so I use it more as a bully pulpit for me yeah. to continue to, uh, you know, bring attention to the issues and the challenges and opportunities because I, you know, I always tend, uh, not tend, I, that's what I do. There's a challenge, there's an issue, but let's talk about the opportunities because when there's a challenge, there's a great opportunity on the other side waiting. And like I said, with the growth of the Latino community in Massachusetts with, um, as, as you know, Elias, and you're a business person, you know, the fastest growing, um, uh, sector in small businesses across the country and in our state in Massachusetts is Latinos. Eight yeah. out of 10 new small businesses are Latino owned. So there's so much opportunity for economic growth, for social growth, for economic mobility in our community that I want to frame our challenges in that way. I want to change our frame our challenges in a way in which this is where we're heading and this is how you can help and this is how we can work together to make it better uh, yeah. for everyone. Uh, and, you know, obviously as a Latina and Boricua, that's where my heart is, but I also speak for other communities that have been marginalized, like the Black community, the Black brothers and sisters. And after last year's, you know, racial reckoning with the murder of George Floyd, obviously everyone, myself included, have been thinking more about what else can we do yeah. to move that ahead? I think that ahead. That's, that's the key question. That's why I love talking to you because I think that um, it's like we, we have the, 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 the younger generations, right, are so passionate and they're so much uh, better balanced, I think, in a way, compared to me where I was like, I, I'm supposed to just work and go home change some diapers, we cook dinner, <laughs> we put the kids to bed and we pass out and we just keep doing this over and over, right? And, Every day. Uh, you know, pay the mortgage and this kind of stuff. 
I don't know, that was the immigrant, you know, uh, yeah. thing that I learned, right? But you have another one, both as an immigrant and, and for the new generations, where they're like, they want to have a, a higher purpose and they want to, yeah. they, they suffer and they, and, and they feel the pain of, of injustice and social inequity. Mm-hmm. And they want to advocate for it, but I feel like they don't quite understand how to take action, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think what you are, what you created for yourself is, is, is a magnificent, um, it's a magnificent sacrifice that you've made, yeah. but at the same time, you now have what you do is you're like, I'm going to go help with that problem. I'm going to go help with that problem. This is what you do. And I think this is, is a dream that most people do not know is possible, right? Yeah. And the life is rewarding doing what you do, right? And so tell, tell what advice would you give to, to someone in their 20s saying like, I don't know if I want to be at this job or like, you know, in this in this hamster wheel, rat race, whatever they want to call it, right? right. Um, you're like, I want to do something more meaningful. What would you advise to them, right? Yeah, there there are a number of things. First, uh, what you just described, or if you're experience of, you know, uh, wash, rinse, fold, repeat yeah. <laughs> cycle. It's the cycle of many immigrant families, right? Uh, you come to this country with a dream and you work for it and it's hard to really get involved in other things, right? That, that take you away from those day to day demands and that dream. So that's not unheard of. My, uh, advice would be, uh, first to anyone who listens that definitely raise your voice, you know, and, and point out, first educate yourself, you know, what are the issues, what are the opportunities, right? Frame the issues from an asset-based, you know, uh, perspective. Um, so educate yourself about what are the issues and see how you can, what's your passion, is your passion education, or is it the arts, or is it um, housing, or is it economic mobility, or a combination of all of the above? And once, and then find opportunities to raise your voice with your employer. Hey, what are we doing around housing? What, you know, how's our organization, our company supporting housing issues, if at all? Um, also, I always say, especially to young people, the three T's, get, you know, time, talent, and treasure. Give your time, volunteer for organizations like Eva and many others that are based in the community that are working on a daily basis on those challenges and opportunities. So your time is important, your talent. You know, if you're a techie, if you're a HR person, if you're a um, marketing person, you know, all those skills that you can apply to that field, to that organization, to policy in your own town, in your own municipality. And lastly, your treasure. You know, we need to give. You know, uh, Latinos actually have a tendency to give, but it's primarily to churches, to religious organizations. Um, so I'm not saying you can't do that if you do that. Also give, find a way to give to nonprofit organizations that are doing, you know, the work on a day-to-day basis in the communities. So time, talent, and treasure. Right. Find what you and you know get involved in your in your town in your company in your town in your uh, your city you know join the um, 
broadband access board or join the, you know, raise your hand and say, I want to be part of it. I want to participate. I want to support. I want to help. And it's hard because obviously when you're raising a family and you have all these other uh, commitments and demands, it's harder to, you know, based on what your bandwidth is, figure out how you can give your time, talent, and treasure. And never be afraid to speak, speak up. <laughs> because yeah. if you're going to be sitting at the table, then yes, that's your chance. Go for it. <laughs> Don't yeah. sit silent. I like that. You know, I think it's right. Latino communities usually give to churches, but we can't forget the nonprofits. And this, this is what you're teaching me, right? I mean, it's like there's, um, I'm learning about, um, nonprofits and, and the thing is that there's just so many needs, right? And I think yeah. it we need to be very specific and personal to the individual, yes. right? They can focus on housing, they can focus on access to the internet, they can yeah. focus on, on helping small businesses, they can focus on food, education, um, you know, benefits, access to, you know, government contract. There's just so many options that I've been learning by being getting slowly more involved in the community. As I'm getting older, my kids are getting older and I'm, you know, creating some of that bandwidth and the opportunity, then I have ways to give back, right? And so I, I, I've learned so much and I just, people need to listen to this, right? It's like, to say like, you know, maybe just join one thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. We, we, we don't need to boil the ocean, right? Yeah. We just need to pick something that is meaningful for us and see how we can, you know, make a difference there. Uh, and, and, and make an impact. You know, uh, one thing that I, I want to point out that is very, um, characteristic, if you will, of Latino led organizations is that even when you pick an organization that is youth serving, let's say you're passionate about youth issues, so you want to pick an organization that serves Latino youth. Uh, one thing that is very characteristic, characteristic, of our organizations, and that's uh, also we found uh, that in a study by the Greater Boston Latino Network, which Eva is a member of, was that uh, when we, when the researchers studied our organizations, they found that we are multi-serving. Eva is multi-serving by nature. We do a number of services, not just one single thing. But even those single-serving issue organizations, you know, kind of spread their wings and really work on whatever the issue because our families have challenges in it's not just the youth there are other challenges in that family units so what you find is that many of our organizations are stepping into helping even yeah. something that is not directly related to their mission so i say this because i think uh as you and i are trying to raise awareness with your audience and others about the Great possibilities that are there in providing your time, talent, and treasure to Latino nonprofits. Uh, that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I've learned, and I don't do enough. It's like we can easily be so self-absorbed with our own lives, just like I was saying earlier. And, and, and I think that giving to others is just like the best thing we could do, right? It's like just completely distracts us from what we think are our problems. And if we spend our time, our talent, our treasure uh, with with um, others, it's just so rewarding and, and, and mm-hmm. just makes you realize, like, you know, 
in what areas you 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 are you are you are blessed and you're provided for you have access or or you made progress and helping others just that that feeling just can't can be beat i i just want people to realize how important how influential and how successful you are in the community as an activist as a fighter for social justice like more people should know what you're doing and say like i want to be like vanessa right and say I want to be like Vanessa, and now you're teaching me, right? What it's like to fight uh, and 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 get involved in these issues, uh, and um, and you're you're an amazing role model, right? You're a, you're an amazing version of the American dream, right? Uh, that you came to this country, you were able to um, join a community that welcomed you. There was people like you, and then you were able to grow that community, and you were able to fight for that community. <laughs> And be respected in 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 this state, in this country, uh, and rewarded and recognized for your for your success and your and your journey, so and your mission. So, um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining me. Keep doing what you're doing. Please help. Be involved with IBA. Donate. Uh, volunteer time. If you if you don't have that specific connection to IBA, Vanessa can connect you. She's she's okay. everywhere in Boston. Wherever the word Latino and others are, are there, like be the Boston Foundation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, different many, you know, the Latino Equity Fund. I mean, you're just, you're just everywhere. She's, um, she's there fighting every day for somebody, for something. And we appreciate so much what you do. Thank you so much, Elias. Un placer, un honor. Muchísimas gracias. It's just a pleasure. It's my life's calling and I love sharing it with others. Uh, if people want to learn more about IVA, they can go to our website, ivabostone.org. My information is there, including my email and phone number. If they want to connect, happy, they can do that through uh, the website as well. Happy to do that. Thank you for the opportunity of chatting. And thank you, Elias. Un abrazo. Thanks for listening to the American Dream Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss when a new episode drops. If you like this episode, please leave a six-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're interested in learning more about my American Dream mission, subscribe to my newsletter linked in the show notes.